0: Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself begin our discussion on the third article of the Apostles' Creed. Welcome to the Being
1: Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me my friends... Pastor Jason Goodum
0: and Pastor Brian Rickey.
2: All right. Hello again. Yeah, it's been a while. Yes. We've had some delays and some snags and some hiccups on scheduling, but we're back. <laughs> snow. I, yeah, yeah <laughs> right, yeah, right. And lots uh, of snow. I had to
1: borrow my neighbor's snowblower this morning. So oh,
2: yeah. We had we just had a snowstorm the morning we're recording here, and uh by the by the time this set of four episodes is done, it'll be <laughs> April and hopefully we'll have green grass instead of white snow covering yes. it. But, yes. I, uh, I so look forward to these recording times. It's a mm-hmm. refreshment or a time of refreshment for me uh, to get back and talk shop and to go through yep. the material. So it's yep. good to be back. It's exciting.
1: Yes, it is. It is. I have one question before we get started, though. What are you guys doing for April Fool's Day? Oh my goodness! No, <laughs> celebrating Easter.
0: Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh,
2: I looked at that last year and I was like, "Oh." We have had a weird it's... mixture of
1: Ash Wednesday was Valentine's Day. Yeah, and that was yeah. that. Would that played itself
2: out really sure. nicely? But the whole April Fool's thing and. I guarantee you that if you're on Twitter, the Twitter account of Neil deGrasse Tyson is just going to be absolutely insufferable during Holy Week. <laughs> Not that it isn't already absolutely insufferable, yeah, but, right. you know, the atheists and the agitators are going to have fun with it. The the pastors who like puns way too much are going to have fun <laughs> with it, And and I just want to talk about the resurrection on Easter yes. morning. So. perfect. <laughs> well, it's, that's, uh, that's awesome. The so. Apostle
0: Paul, you know, the, the cross is foolishness to the world. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah that there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah,
1: that sounds good. Praise God for that. I yeah. would
0: much rather be a fool for Jesus yep. than to be wise for this age. Because, Definitely. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, well, we are talking about the third article uh, today, uh, the third article of the, of the Apostles' Creed. And so any opening thoughts for you guys as we... Dig into this. Uh, in my opinion, this
2: is the climax mm-hmm. of the large catechism, and not that it's downhill from here because uh, Luther is awesome in the uh, Lord's <laughs> Prayer and on the sacraments too. But but this yeah. is one that always, you know, and we'll talk about it again. This is the one that has the special place in my life and in my mm-hmm. heart. And and I think for today's church, what we get most wrong is the concept of sanctification, and we've yeah. repeatedly had opportunities to talk about that already. But the, the church is uh, operating under this pretense that the cross is for conversion yep. and yeah, then this right.
0: moralistic therapeutic deism. Once you're in, yep, then... Then you get nothing but moralism. Right. And it's it's so interesting that the one thing that... I think one of the most difficult things that I've realized as a pastor is the... the, the I, I'm gonna call it beautiful. The beautiful uh, balancing act of not mingling sanctification and justification. Mm-hmm. And it's a very... Uh, conscientious thing. You've got to just really intentionally make make sure that you're doing that. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I see maybe in Christianity is the mingling of those two. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that they're getting sanctification wrong per se, but the mingling of the two for this moralistic mm-hmm. kind of approach to it. It's just sad because right. I think it leaves a lot of people feeling like, it oh, I'm not good assurance. enough, so yeah. why bother?
2: Mm -hmm. Robs us of assurance. And and I think, too, the focus of sanctification ends up being wrong under that moralistic therapeutic deism. Because in that... Which is what, by the way? So Christian Smith is this sociologist who came up and did a study on American teenagers Mm -hmm. and and religiosity, for lack of a better term. And uh, after this study, found out that most of the teenagers in our churches thought that... The church was there to help make their lives better or more enjoyable or whatever. And he coined this phrase, moralistic, therapeutic mm-hmm. deism. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Because it describes the church at large in America. And, and really what I'm getting at here is that the focus of most churches and of most Christians is that the focus of your Christian life is right here and right now. Uh, on either being holier, if you want to be spiritual about it, or about living a better life. This is Joel Osteen, pop American Christianity Mm -hmm. that live your best life now. Uh, Sanctification from a biblical perspective is always a march toward the resurrection of the dead, toward eternity. It's it's a life lived with your eyes on eternity, which means you are really in the here and now focusing on your neighbor instead of focusing on yourself because the prize, the end goal is an eternity free from sin, free from pain pain free from suffering in the presence of God.
0: Yeah. And it's not like we don't grow in Christ as we mm-hmm. continue to abide in Christ as John 15 reminds us because as as we walk and apply the gospel, guess what we're talking about? We're talking about Vocation.
2: vocation. Yeah. Oh man, I, you <laughs> man. stole it from <laughs> yeah. me. What are you doing, man? No, I got to talk about the Trinity. I was yes. setting you up. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, waiting for it.
0: Good. Vocation.
2: Good. There we go. We got it in. Uh, even before right. we started the material, of the All episode. All right. I guess we'll. Uh, but it is signing off. Uh, no, just yeah.
0: kidding. <laughs> I think it's important to understand that vocation is the privilege. It's our act yeah. of worship. Oh. It's resting in the completed work right. of Christ and in allowing. Our
2: freedom and, yeah. Yeah. But but. It's that idea of vocation that takes us off the sliding scale of holiness that people want to place themselves off of. We're always evaluating our performance uh, so that we can say either I'm close to God or I'm far away from God or or whatever the case might be. That's a wrong way to look at it. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Christian life is. We don't, you know, God isn't judging us on this bell curve where, you know, as soon as we place ourselves there, what we're really doing is we're comparing ourselves to others. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's almost karma. Well, it is, (laughs) is. (laughs) it's
2: karma or it's the, you know, the, the thing is like, am I holier than that person or are they holier than I am? That's what you're doing in that system. Mm -hmm. And that's wrong in so many ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Cool. Well, let's,
1: let's get into the third article here. And, you know, usually you don't think about the third article as speaking to some of these things that we're talking about, but it it does.
2: It does. And surprisingly, uh, pulling in the creed, which is, you know, much older than Luther was. we you mm-hmm. know, The earliest rendition we have of the Apostles' Creed is second century, so it's really, really old. Uh, but what Luther directs us to is that the things of sanctification really surprise us in the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: cool. Well, let's begin by reading the actual article, and then we can discuss from there. So everybody bust out your Luther's small catechism you go. with me. And uh, here we have it. the question, what is the third article? And the answer is this, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, He calls, gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in one true faith. In this Christian church, He daily and richly forgives all my sins, and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise up me and all the dead and will give eternal life to me and to all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Amen. Amen and amen. amen. This yes. is most certainly true. Yeah. We just need to start saying that more often. Right? Like
0: To so the things that deserve it. Yeah. yeah. yeah right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not just any well, old little thing yeah, that yeah, is I said. Know, the Vikings <laughs> just
0: can't win a Super Bowl. It's this is most, most certainly true. true. Yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> You're in, you're out. The evidence backs that up. That is awesome. Uh, One quick note I wanted to get, because I've had several questions in the last month or two about this, and this is really closed circuit to our AFLC listeners. Inside baseball. Yeah, inside baseball AFLC stuff. uh, a couple comments, people noticing that the the version of the small catechism oh, I'm using sure. mm-hmm. in this study isn't consistent with the translation that we use in the AFLC, the oh, version understand. of the small catechism. Mm-hmm. The reason for that— You're a heretic? Is, yeah, I'm a heretic. You know, <laughs> just kidding. I, no. I'm just looking for an excuse to colloquize into the LCMS, and I'm trying to take <laughs> as many people with me as possible. No, the reason oh. for that is this study started— as a study on the Book of Concord. And so what I am using is the text of the small catechism Mm. from the Book of Concord. And the specific edition of the Book of Concord I'm using, we mentioned this all the way back at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the study, is the reader's edition of the Book of Concord published by CPH. And so I wanted to keep the study consistent in with itself when... I get around eventually to publishing the material as an AFLC curriculum. I will probably pull in the small catechism text from the AFLC Mm -hmm. uh, version of what we have, and I don't understand the different sources for the translations or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's uh, interesting to do above my pay grade uh, on this, but um, that's why the difference. For those uh, I know, a handful of churches are using the podcast episodes or um, whatever the case might be in like adult Sunday school or even in confirmation classes, feel free to pump in the catechism that you're mm-hmm. most familiar with. Most of the material isn't going to change except for where I'm quoting it verbatim. Yeah. Right. See,
0: I just thought that you were a rebel. <laughs> I am a rebel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, Mythbusters here. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: this is most certainly true. <laughs> that, hey, yes.
1: I like that. I like that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I did notice that, but thanks for mentioning that. It, that's helpful for us.
0: So I, I don't know if this is the right time to ask, but why is this so personal to you? I, I know the answer, but <laughs> I, I think it is really important for us as even pastors and, and believers in Christ to To see how God has opened our eyes to the reality of what His Word really says.
2: Yeah, yeah. this is my scales falling off my eyeballs moment. If you remember <laughs> from the first couple of episodes, yeah. I gave my testimony of...
0: That was uh, back when I didn't have a mic, and I, yeah. I think I like those days better. <laughs> yeah. No, no, We
2: podcast much better with you jumping yes. in all the time, Brian. We appreciate it. Uh, this is mm-hmm. not
0: most certainly. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh,
2: I grew up in an environment where uh, I was not being provided with opportunity for assurance of salvation. And this is not an accusation against my pastor, who is a man I'm still friends with, and I I, uh, respect tremendously. Um, For the first few years of my life and through high school, I just wasn't listening, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not unusual for teenagers from Mm -hmm. what I understand. Uh, And then going on into my formal Christian education in and, and college and stuff, I just wasn't hearing it. It wasn't an emphasis. The mm-hmm. Emphasis was always on behavior mm. uh, rather than assurance of salvation. And I just didn't have assurance of salvation. And came to a breaking point uh, at a time in my life where I was dealing with sin in my life and realizing I wasn't a good person. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember the night very well. It was middle of summer with a thunderstorm, mm. it was 2 or 3 a.m., Kind of like Luther. Yeah, except <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I didn't pray to St. Anne. Um,
0: <laughs> and you didn't get like almost struck by lightning?
2: I didn't yeah. almost get struck. I, I probably would have preferred it at that point. In time. <laughs> yeah, right. But I just prayed to God. I said, if you can't make me a good Christian in seminary, I'd been accepted to seminary. Yep. If you can't make me a good Christian in seminary, I'm walking away. I'm done. Mm. Uh, this, this isn't for me. And I didn't have a problem With the material of Christianity or even the message of Christianity, it was the outcome in my life that wasn't showing up. What I understood to be a Christian was someone who was pious, someone who was externally good, and I was wrestling with that, Mm -hmm. and I had no you know foundation to to fall on for assurance of salvation was always my performance and so a couple of months passed and was very anticlimactic after that but then in seminary uh, we were required as an assignment to read cover to cover through the book of concord uh when i got to seminary i didn't know what the book of concord was you know oh, wow. i've been yeah, raised a lutheran i never heard of me, it i think never yeah. heard of it i didn't know there was a large catechism uh, confirmation for me was Small Catechism and Intro to Bible, hmm. which is for a lot of people. That's not a complaint. It's mm-hmm. just an acknowledgement of the reality. So I started reading, and uh, praise God, this was one of the sections I wasn't skimming, you know, just looking at the words to fulfill the assignment. And I was reading through the Large Catechism, and I got to Luther's explanation of the third article of the Creed in the Large Catechism. Mm. And I started reading faster and mm-hmm. it was more enthusiastic. And the, and the first comment was the one about. To sanctify, uh, that therefore sanctifying is just bringing us to Christ so we receive this good which we cannot get ourselves. And he's talking about the gospel. Mm -hmm. Is that he, Luther writes that God does not hide the gospel, he causes the gospel to be preached. Mm -hmm. And our sanctification doesn't happen in our success at not sinning, Mm -hmm. although God wants us to not sin. Our sanctification happens in our repentance. Mm-hmm. as we go back to the cross and receive forgiveness of sins and and so this is when my whole theology in that area started to develop where you know probably the understanding that i had was the cross was for conversion mm-hmm. the gospel was for unbelievers yeah. Right. And then the law, this moralism was for believers is that you had, you were worried about your holiness, you were worried about your Christian witness, you were worried about all of these things, which aren't bad, mm-hmm. but that's the life of the
0: Christian. So right. what happened? And when you say the law, can you mm-hmm. talk about it, maybe a specific function?
2: Well, the, the the law in that God requires certain behavior yeah, of you, you God go. requires okay. behavior from Christians. Yeah. You know, and, and apart from the Ten Commandments, which the law is, that's the summary of the law, you have sections like Romans chapter 12, 9 through 12 twenty one, which is specifically given to Christians mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And I looked at my life and what I saw was sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, I didn't see goodness. I didn't see, you know, an outward conforming to Christ. And, and so uh, this moment, then, is I. That was the the line that hooked me. That sanctifying is yeah. nothing other than bringing it across. And then there's this large paragraph we'll get to, uh, where the the climax of the paragraph is that we are in the Christian church where there is nothing but the continuous, mm-hmm. uninterrupted forgiveness yeah, of sin. Right. Amen. That, and that was it. That that was a phrase that jumped out
1: of me even this morning reading this, and I was going to ask if that was one of the the parts that grabbed you was, you know, in that. The answer part, where it says, "In this Christian church, He daily and richly yep. forgives all of my sins and the sins of all believers."
2: Yep. And,
1: and so, where where the the gospel became not just for that entrance into, mm-hmm. but it became part of the daily experience, the daily, the daily so. repentance
2: and faith, receiving yep. grace day and, by day. And that's exactly what it was. And, mm-hmm. and and so now, looking back in in my theology. My understanding of Scripture was developing through seminary, and even as a, my early days of being a pastor. But I've I come to realize I didn't have a salvation problem, although I d- thought I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a sanctification problem, hmm. and my That's, sanctification wasn't that I wasn't we need sanctified. To tweet that out. I know. Yeah, there you go. A little
0: mingling going on there, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean,
2: it it wasn't that I wasn't sanctified. It's that I had a completely false understanding of what sanctification was. And
1: that's why justification, sanctification gets mixed in and jumbled up together
2: and where assurance breaks down. Yeah. And and so what I was missing wasn't salvation. I was missing assurance mm-hmm. of salvation. I was missing a right understanding of what being a Christian is all about. Mm. And, and from there, then it was almost an immediately immediate turn where I discovered the doctrine of vocation. And yes. so this 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 totally describes why I'm constantly and almost exclusively talking either about assurance of salvation yeah. or about yeah. vocation. And and I will tell my congregation over and over <laughs> and over again, the Christian life consists of two things, assurance of salvation and vocation. Is that is that kind of shorthand for justification and sanctification? It would can you say, be, or? but... Even then, I I hesitate Mm -hmm. because, again, you have this idea of justification is that moment you come to conversion and leave it behind. Whereas assurance of salvation, you're carrying that with you, which is why I talk about that. Because Mm. if you open up and actually read through the Book of Concord, and especially in Luther's Small Catechism, and especially in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Mm -hmm. probably the two most impactful. Books and I'm not taking away from the Augsburg Confession. I know mm-hmm. that's important. And everything in the Book of Concord is great. But but what you'll see in those two elements of the Book of Concord really are, are this emphasis on burdened consciences. Yeah. Right. In the Roman Catholic system. Mm-hmm. And they're they're talking about burdened consciences and then they're trying to apply comfort for the burdened conscience. Well, and that was Luther's
0: right. real focus, you know, mm-hmm. during that time. Obviously, the Catholic Church was basically selling salvation, mm-hmm. really. It was for sale, mm-hmm. and uh, it was awful, and he was just really wanted to give people that assurance of yeah. salvation. Which
2: mm-hmm. is really interesting. I just heard a podcast a few weeks ago about the Roman Catholics responding today to the mm-hmm. Reformation, and, and their backtracking was that Luther misunderstood what was going on in indulgences. No. Is that they weren't selling salvation. I'll just leave they that were, one alone. They yeah. were, they were the, the this Catholic priest I was listening to uh said they were accepting donations as <laughs> thank <laughs> offerings oh. for the oh, salvation no. that was being offered.
0: What's the no. difference? <laughs> you know, and I don't know that it's changed because you know, I'm you know, I'm just gonna say this. There was a, a Catholic church not too far from where we are right now, nope. um, that actually would Take a mortgage specialist with them when they were raising money for the new sanctuary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So people could remortgage well, their homes. And, wow.
2: and indulgences are still around. If you remember to last spring when Anthony Scalia, Justice Anthony Scalia, mm-hmm. died. Yep. Yeah. Um, they were having an indulgence in the church that there is a these holy gates. There is a couple different sites in the United mm-hmm. States and all around the world. And if you Passed through the holy gates as a pilgrimage, <laughs> oh my uh it was a plenary indulgence, and so at his funeral, as they marched the casket into the sanctuary, they deliberately had it at this church where he walked through these holy gates it's wow, it was just right there
0: hmm, so it just I, saddens me. can I be honest with you I just I know that sometimes we kind of chuckle at those things, but sure. it just it just breaks my heart because, like you, I kind of Struggled in a little bit different way with that the mingling mm-hmm. of, of the two, mm-hmm. and I don't know. You just you start to kind of get this sense of despair. Yeah, and it's like I'll I'll never be good enough, which is true. Mm-hmm. And so, why even bother? Again, I, I know I said that before, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, even the millennials that we that I'm speaking to now, as they see they see through a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. This religiosity and this, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, fake display of self-righteousness or whatever, they see through it and um, they want the truth. And it's interesting. And I think every generation kind of does to a point. But, man, it, it is interesting how that has just really mm-hmm. uh, just been an infection in the American church and I suppose other churches too. But, I mean, I only have my context of here. but And it's how destructive it's really been. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and, and you hit the nail on the head with that word despair. The, the despair is palpable, it's tangible, it's real. Mm-hmm. And and I think what we're seeing in these exodus of, of teens and 20s that have come through the church is they don't have a problem with God. Mm-hmm. They have a problem with this performance-based corruption oh, yeah. of what the message of the gospel yeah. is. Because right. they see through it because right. they
0: know it's not true. Yep. They can see... Through all of that, you know. Well, so, yeah. they, they know it's
2: not true because you look at every other religion mm-hmm. in the world, and it's the same it's the thing. Same t- it's exactly, the exact yeah. same thing, and and mm-hmm. that's the problem. Is that you're not getting Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. You're giving getting Christ crucified for the elimination of your past criminal record. No, you better go out and get it right.
0: What would you What would you attribute to that? Why Why have Has the American church deviated so far from understanding justification correctly and sanctification correctly? Fear. It's the same
2: problem the Roman Catholic church had in Luther's time, and it's the same problem all the churches have in America today. It's a fear that people are going to live in God's grace and
0: just behave any way they want to. So trying to avoid cheap grace, so to speak, you know, they, they go the other way. And Mm -hmm. they ended up actually then mingling Mm -hmm. the two together, Absolutely.
2: It's every, I would say 90% of the time, that's the problem. Now, you have heresy, you have false teaching, Mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it, I think most Protestants today would just be absolutely terrified to find out how Roman Catholic their church is.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because then, you know, people maybe like you, us three, Mm -hmm. I I know that I've been called an antinomian (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's fine, you know, if someone wants to to believe that. But the thing that I am convinced of, and you use a term called applying the gospel and vocation, for me, the law has moved from our accusatory record of wrongs to our gentle teacher in the freedom Mm -hmm. and the victory of Christ Jesus. And it's abiding. It's that John 15 thing. And so it's not like we don't have um, a responsibility or a a desire to look at God's law. We should love it. We should allow that Mm -hmm. to teach us, but we don't earn anything for it. You know, if anything... It it just proclaims Christ more as an act of worship, you know. And if you can separate the feeling of I have to do this versus I want to do this, that's a huge step because one's law and one's gospel. Mm -hmm. Well, and with that
2: too, you have to, you know, be able to understand and proclaim the laws proper place in the life of a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, the law always accuses us. It's always showing us where we failed, but it's not the only thing that it does. And so we have this, you know, we've talked about it several times too, this concept of the two kinds of righteousness. Our righteousness before God for eternity is imputed righteousness that we receive by faith because of Christ in our place. It's mm-hmm. Christ takes our sin, we get his righteousness. It's the great exchange, the happy exchange yeah. on the cross. Yep. And then it's this horizontal righteousness, our mm-hmm. righteousness before man. That's where the law rules because it informs us how God wants us to treat our neighbor.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: That, that's awesome. And And I think maybe we should wrap up this episode here. And I think as we do that I'm thinking of you, listener. Maybe you have a story similar to what Jason shared, and and what Brian too, um, of having this thing mixed up in our minds. And hopefully, um, this has been helpful to you. and And if you want to contact us, and yeah. and uh, if you want to talk personally with us. We'd love to do that and love to
2: help you, you and, through that.
0: And stay tuned because next week we're going to pick yeah. right back up yeah, <laughs> where yeah, we left right. off. So. We're going to continue. Exactly. but
2: remember, you know, you can contact us on the website, beinglutheran.com. Uh, there's an email contact right. form or you can comment on any of the posts for Absolutely. the episodes. Yep. Uh, Brett and I are on Twitter. Feel mm-hmm. free to reach out to us on Twitter. You're Brett Bow. Brett underscore, I think, underscore bowl. Okay, and right. I'm just Jason Goodham, one mm-hmm. word, on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, whatever the case might be. Call yeah, our churches. That's right. Uh, whatever it takes, but, you know, part of our heart is talking with people yeah, about this. Right. This is what pastors do. Right.
0: It Amen. Is. Romans chapter 5, just verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week when Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself continue our discussion on the third article of the Apostles' Creed. God bless you and have a great week.